Welcome to Gardening Talk back for a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back. Thank you, thank you. And as always, it's good to be back here with you. Oh, thanks, I guess. <laughs> Uh, how's your weekend, Scott? Good? Yeah, very nice. How's yours? Yeah, excellent. 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 What do you got for us today? I thought, well, because it's getting a bit bleak out there in the world, you know, we're getting those cold nights coming yeah. on and people are receding indoors. I thought we'd talk about indoor plants today. Yeah. So over the hour, hopefully we'll have enough time uh, to go over a few great indoor plants that you can have and clean the air inside the house as well. Oh, very good. Yeah. So not just plastic indoor plants. We're no, talking, no. We're no. talking real indoor plants. Things that'll get rid of pet smells, cooking smells, everything. Oh, very good. Mm. That's good to know. Mm. And we've got Nolene from Corlette, and she's got a question about a sick gardenia tree. Ooh, Nolene, how can we help you? Yes, uh, I have a gardenia tree, and it's very sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's happened. I am not a gardener. Mm. I like to go out and get flowers, but I don't garden. But I had this tree here when I moved in here. It's only a little one, and the leaves have gone black. Ooh, that doesn't sound too flash at all. They're not meant to be black, you know. No, I know. <laughs> That's why you've called up. I know. Well, I wouldn't have noticed it. Because I've only got one eye I can see out of, um, the neighbour upstairs, he turned around and he said to me yesterday, he said, no, I mean, this le these leaves are going black. I said, well, I can't see it. So he pulled the leaf off yep. and he said, now have a look. And it was all black. Yeah, so now let me ask you a question. Have you got it in the ground or in a pot for starters? Because I know how No, it's in the ground. Okay. Now I know how sandy it is up there at Corlett. And I don't know how I don't know how old it is because I've only been here seventeen months. Okay, okay. Well, we at least we know it's seventeen months old. But look, what it sounds like is that it's got scale on there. Now, what scale is, is this little insect it just gets blown around by the wind, so it's not your fault, don't worry about that. And no. it, it lands on the, on the tree, and gardenias do get this, and it just forms a little waxy shell over itself. And then what happens is the scale sort of exudes stuff out after it's sucking the sap out of the tree, so it's making the, the tree unhealthy. And it yeah, it doesn't look very healthy. <laughs> yeah, and, and it sends out this sort of sugary excretion out through the shell and the ants come up from the soil to feed on Oh, that. yes, I had trouble ah. with ants last year and it was covered in ants and someone told me to buy this, I forget what stuff it was, it was in a green bottle. I know it was expensive, it wasn't cheap. And I sprayed the tree. It said, spray this week, leave a week, and then spray again. I've never seen another ant. <laughs> well, that, that's good. So the, uh, the ants, when they, they're coming up, then they bring sort of these mould spores up from the ground, from the soil, and that's what's actually making your leaves go black. It's called sooty mould that you've got on there. Now, the thing is, though, it's because the way I spoke about it then, it's actually a two-pronged problem for you to deal with. Uh, so you have to get rid of the scale insects, and then you have to get rid of that sooty mould. So you did sort of the right thing. So you need to go out and get a product called anti-scale or some sort of uh, product that's going to kill scale. And that's usually a mixture of an insecticide and white oil so that the white oil can permeate down through the, the waxy shell of the scale. And, yeah. and you use that. And then the next day, you be quite liberal with it, you know, spray it all over the plant until it's running right down. And then the next day, you get a product called copper oxychloride. It's a fungicide. And you spray that all over the plant. It'll sort of turn it a little bit blue. It's a blue, blue-coloured uh, chemical. And what will happen is that actually kills all the fungal spores and gets rid of that sooty mould for you. 
and then you repeat the whole process usually in about a week or two weeks' time. Oh, so, right. Yeah. So you just you just get back in there and just try and uh, help it out. Now, the reason I asked about it being in a pot or uh, in the ground is because I know how sandy it is up there at Corlett. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it yes. is sandy up here. And the fellow upstairs, he he, he well, uh, it's not that long ago, and he 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 um, fertilised it all for me. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's excellent, and that's what you need to be doing really regularly with a gardenia in sandy soil. So, look, about uh, every three months, uh, you need to be giving it some sort of organic-based fertiliser. I'll then... have to tell him because I can't, I can't walk too good, see, so I, I, he comes down and does uh, it for me. Okay, and look, the other thing, if you, if you can do it, because um, you might, might not want to, uh, you know, sort of hassle your, your friend upstairs too much, is if you can, every couple of weeks, get a, uh, a, a liquid fertiliser-like flourish and... And mix that up in the watering can and give it a water with that. Oh, yeah, I've that. got a watering can. Yep, so if you can do that every couple of weeks and then every three months give it mm. a, a good organic feed, it's going to be a really healthy, happy plant up there in the sandy soil. And remember, you have to get the anti-scale or the, you know, yeah. it'll have scale in the name somewhere. And then the, for the next thing you need to do is spray it with that copper oxychloride, which is a fungicide. Well, the reason I rang you yep. is because someone told me to use uh, white oil. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else told me you use pest oil. Yeah, so look, both of those things will work for you, I guess up to a point. Uh, I often think that they're good preventatives. And what the white, no. oil, what the white oil does is actually uh, choke the scale. But if you've got a really bad case, and it sounds like you have, you need yeah, that... It's a lot. Oh, it's covered over the leaves. Yeah, so it sounds like you need to have the... Uh, the insecticide mixed up with the white oil. And usually if you get a thing called scale gun or anti-scale, it will be mixed together and you'll be right to go. Oh, well, thank you very much for your help. Not a problem, Nolan. You have a great afternoon. Okay, and thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. We've got Ken from Gorakin, and he needs advice about his orange tree. Apparently it's riddled with ants. It's riddled. We if people should ask questions as a riddle to us and see if we can answer it later on. That could, that could work as well. Yeah. I don't know how you'd go, but no, I'd fail. How are you going, Ken? Yeah, no, not bad. Like yourself? Yeah, pretty good. How can we help you? Well, mate, I've just got thousands of ants running up and on the stem of my um, orange tree. Yeah, and all the leaves are sort of uh, rolling up and drawing it. All, all the young leaves, the shoots on. Okay, look, if, if you've got ants running up uh, your orange tree, we were just talking to Nolene before uh, about... Yeah, I know, I heard, I heard that, yeah. yeah. about scale on the tree. And I'll, I'll bet a penny to a pound that that's probably what you've got on yours as well. Uh, look, yeah. citrus trees also get louse scale, which is just... It's hard to describe. It's really just like a... a almost like little white things all up and down the stem of the plant, up the trunk. And yeah, well, under the leaf, yeah. it looks like there's a little... Hard shell. Yes. Okay. Under the, under the leak. Yeah. So look, you've definitely got scale in that case, Ken. Uh, so what you need to do is uh, get a product called Anti Scale. You can use pest oil or uh, you know one of those products as well. Uh, Eco oil yeah. will work for you as well. But if you've got a really bad case and you've got louse scale, I always suggest uh, you can get Malathon and you can get white oil and you can mix those together. Uh, and turn those in and and white oil, yeah. And what happens is that white oil actually permeates through the shell of the scale and sort of takes the chemical, the insecticide, with it. Uh, So, look, when you're spraying, be be pretty liberal with it. Spray up in under, mist in underneath the leaves. Uh, You know, make sure it's drenched right down the trunk because even though you think that that louse scale isn't too bad, when you look at it and you go, oh, geez, you know, there's probably, you know, millions, tens of thousands actually 
on the plant if you've got a big tree, and they're all sucking sap out of the plant, so it's going to be unhappy. Yeah, uh, it's not a big, it's not a big tree. It's only been in for about eighteen months, so okay. it's only probably four foot high, I suppose, a bit. Okay, and uh, look, make sure, of course, that it's being well watered. Citrus are, are heavy feeders, yeah. so they they like a good feed every three months or so. Usually, some poultry manure if they're in the ground. Uh, and you can use the other sort of uh, proprietary... I use the liquid, liquid fertiliser I use. The, uh, the Glowprus or Growprus, yep. something I use on it. And also the um, um, the weed uh, spray, um, seaweed spray. Oh, OK. So that, that's only really good for the root system of the plant. So the other thing you can oh, get... Right. yeah, You know, you go you go into your garden centre and, and you'll find, you know, just it's a packet and it usually says citrus food on it. It's, you know, like a powder or a pellet or, you know, one of yeah, those well, sort of I products. Was, I was using that. Um, somebody told me that I'm better off using the liquid fertiliser. Well, the, the, the liquid ones are very good and they work, you know, very quickly. But often, uh, you know, you need to give your plant some sort of organic matter as well. So you could use Bounce Back as well as another excellent product or Rapid Razor. And they're uh, yeah. all very good for citrus plants because they're poultry manure based. And if you really want to, yep. uh, you can just go get a bag of poultry manure every three months and give it a feed. Right. Yeah. Then, That's often the cheapest way to go. It doesn't matter how fresh the... Well, well, look. You always have to make sure that your uh, your poultry manure has been mulched for a while, so that it's not too, yeah. not you know, not too hot. I, that's what I say, uh, because yeah. you know, if you start watering it and it's too fresh, it'll leach down and actually harm the plant. So you have to make sure that it's been mulched appropriately. Yeah, right. And I've also got tiny little snails on my choco vine. Uh, I must, pick, I must pick about thirty. Uh, you know. Pinhead snails hunt one leaf for leaves of my choco vine. Yeah. Is there anything I can spray for that? Look, unfortunately, no. There's not much you can do for that. Most of your, your snail products are pellets that have to go on the ground to you know stop them getting up into the plant. I've, I've got the same problem at home. I've got a frangipani. Uh, I've got some uh, arum lilies out in the front yard. And look, I, I have to go out every morning. Uh, you know, on the way up the street and pick them off. And I'm always in trouble from my daughter because she thinks they're really cute and lovely. But uh, so she's always <laughs> getting getting into me about it. But uh, look, even the tiny little ones, I reckon they do more damage than the big ones. It's like they've got a, a, a bigger appetite. Yeah, they're just chewing a little hole in the in, in the leaf one leaf where they're where they're sitting, and then they just chew their way around to the end of the end of the leaf, and then they just turn around and. Come back in you like a machine. Yeah, yeah, and, and look, that's the way they yeah. get big and fat in the end, I'd say. So, uh, look, there's not much you can do. You're doing the right thing. Just try and pick off what you can. Uh, I think I've yeah. got it. And, and use some pellets as well around the base of the tree and see if that helps. Well, I've got a, a, a sauce. or not a sauce. It's a dish. Um, I was told to flat beer and, and honey. Mm-hmm. Mix honey and flat and put on the, on the ground. Well, I've, I've done that. And uh, I've got about three three snails in there. That's about all I've got in there. So I thought, well, that's not much uh, much chop because they don't pick, they don't come down off the uh, off the vine to yeah to, uh, to drink. They stay in, in, under the under the leaf of the vine. Of, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, yeah, unfortunately, there's nothing you can spray. It is those pellet based uh, products that you have to use. Yeah. Okay, Ken. Well, right, thanks very much for the information. Okay, yeah, no problem, mate. You have a good afternoon. Cheers. Okay. Okay, mate. Thank you. I can't believe your daughter finds snails cute. She, any, look, if it's small and, and, you know, like if it was the same, if, if I was doing the same thing to kittens, I'm pretty sure she'd... Uh, 
or little baby rabbits or something like that. She'd be yeah. really upset with me. And because they're small, young little snarls, like, oh, Dad, don't do that. But I, I still do. Just get them and put them right, right up to her eye. Yeah, I could, I I could do that. I can't imagine they're that very... They're not very, very nice to look at. Well, look, if she gets out to them first, she'll take them into a room and try and hide, hide them from me. So <laughs> and save them. And save them. So I have found you know, a whole lot of dead snails rotting in a, in a room, some carcasses after a while. That's, that's not too good. No, that's not good for anyone. No, not for anyone at all. And you could eat the snails. I think the escargot is a different sort of snail to eat, though, isn't it? I think, yeah. I'm not overly 100% sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I've never eaten them myself. I've had lamb's brain. Yep, completely and, different. Well, it, it doesn't taste too bad, but psychologically... It's very difficult to eat it because yes, you're there going, mm, I'm eating brain. So I don't know about snails. I'd like to give it a try one time. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I, would, I think I'd like to eat that and then being told I've eaten snails. Yeah, that's probably the way to go, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Right. And we've got Jill from East Maitland and she needs information about a Hoya plant. How can we help you with it, Jill? Uh, well, I just need some, some advice. I've, I've, I was given this plant and I've, it's doing well, but I, it, it just gives me one flower every so often. And um, uh, I don't know whether it should be in the fernery or in the sun or whether it needs water or it doesn't need water. And, um, yeah, I just need some advice, really. Where, where have you got the beast, Jill? Uh, well, I've, I did have it in the fernery mm-hmm. and um, thought maybe it needed some sun, so I've taken it out and it's hanging now in the afternoon sun. Okay. So, look, they, they do grow in semi-shade areas, uh, Hoya. Is there a, a sort of a waxy leaf plant? They're a climber yeah. and they get a really beautiful pink or white flowers, uh, like a little cluster of flowers that hangs down like a bell on them. Look, yes, uh, that's I, right. I've actually got one growing over my back shed. I inherited it when I, I moved into, uh, into Caradice. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's living there, and it's out in the full sun. It's never very, very happy, unfortunately, but it doesn't die on me. I really don't know mm-hmm. what it lives on. They do prefer to be in a semi-shaded area, you know, dappled light in under a tree, uh, you know, or on a veranda or something. I like really, really rich soil as well. Uh, so right. have you been feeding it, or what sort of potting mix have you got it in? Uh, just a, an average potting mix, nothing special. And I haven't fed it with anything. Okay, look, so it might be worth you uh, giving it a good feed. Uh, look, you can use liquid fertilisers on them if you'd like to, something that's going to promote the flowering, so it's got plenty of potash mm-hmm. in there. Uh, if you want to, uh, you can even use uh, just a slow-release fertiliser as well. Uh, but if you're going to just, you know, if you're going to use a slow-release fertiliser, I would then use, in addition to that, uh, the liquid fertiliser just to back it up and give it more of an instant feed and move it right. back into a shady spot, somewhere where it's not going to get the cold settling on it as well as we go into winter. Yes. Uh, because they yes. they are you know a, a sort of a, a semi tropical uh, plant. Uh, they actually come from Asia, India, China, Thailand, Malaysia. So you, you're imagining this, you know the the humidity and the heat that you get, uh, you know up in those places. Yeah. So and look up there. I guess if they are, are out in the full sun, there's more humidity to uh, to help the plant survive and suck in. But down here, yeah. uh, you know, on the east coast where it's more temperate. Uh, you know, during summer, it's not going to do very well out in the full sun. So you need to get into a semi-shade position. And you say it's a climber? Yes, yes, it is a form of climber. Yes, mine certainly climbs all over the back shed and up the tree. Ah. Yeah. I've just got mine dangling down. Well, look, and, and that's enough. People often have them in hanging pots, and they do, mm, you know, they mm. do make a nice show because they hang down, and then when they flower, the bell-shaped flowers hang down as well. But uh, look, yeah, given uh, you know full rain, they'll just take off and uh, start climbing up trees and uh, you know over sheds and things like that. 
Oh, right, yeah. Okay, oh, so good. Look, Thank you, you very much. If you've got a fernery, uh, I'd be sticking it back in there. Probably sounds like the ideal spot or on the veranda. Yes, okay. Terrific. Thanks, okay. Scott. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jill. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, Jill. We've got Carmel from Belmont, and she needs advice on dividing orchids. Carmel, how can we help you? They're getting a bit uh, tight in the pot, are they? Yes, very tight in the pot. Um, I've been told that uh, they don't flower on the same bulb and there's a whole lot of dead bulbs in the middle of the pot. Yeah, so, look, you, you can, if there was any chance of it flowering, you'd probably want to leave it uh, in the pot at the moment uh, just to see if it did flower up until June or July. Uh, right. you, usually you split the, the orchid after flowering. However, if you think it's you know just not very happy at all, and uh, you want to give it a split, you can just pull it out and do it now if you want to. I have done it at this time of year and actually got a flower out of them, which is quite odd. Uh, it's just the way of the world. Uh, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but if you want to you know, give it the best chance to have a flower, I'd leave it now uh, until June, July and then split it. Uh, but otherwise, uh, you, know, you can do it now if you want to. It's not going to harm the plant doing it now. It just, it just you know, pretty much won't flower if you do it at this time. Oh, fine. Oh, well, I can leave it a bit later. And uh, when I do uh, divide and repot um, with the orchid mix, can I mix a little bit of cow manure in that? Or Look, I, I wouldn't. If, oh. you've, if you've just got a, a potting mix, an orchid potting mix, I'd just use that. I wouldn't add anything like that to it. I think it would be far too strong for an orchid. Uh, when you're dividing an orchid, you get a nice sharp pruning saw. And you just slice it uh, down, you know, down through the middle and, you know, into as many bulbs as you want to. And then, as you said, if you've got some old, you know, rotten bulbs, just give them a good old clean up and uh, get it back into that nice new fresh uh, orchid mix. Make sure you get a Cymbidium mix uh, because there are different grades of orchid mix that you can buy. Uh, some are for, you know, uh, Phalaenopsis orchids uh, or, you know, bromeliads and things where they're actually a coarser mix. Cymbids uh, uh, have a slightly finer mix, so make sure you get the one that's for Cymbidiums. Okay, thank you very much. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much for that, Carmel. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. If you've got a question, 49216216. We've got Helen from Bulwara, and she's got a question about the Rose of Sharon. How can we help you, Helen? Hello, Scott. I have a Rose of Sharon, which I have purchased just recently. Yes. Um, I'm looking for a spot to put it. It's the Rose of Sharon that's got the pink and the different coloured, or oh, different coloured pinks and whites. Yes. Big, full, puffed roses. Oh, not roses, flowers. Um, but when I Googled it to have a look at it, it doesn't come up with that same bush that I have bought. It comes up with a plant that's got a mauve single flower with a burgundy throat. Uh, that looks more like a hibiscus? Yes. Okay, yeah. So So I'm having trouble finding information on the Rose of Sharon. Okay, so they're actually a type of deciduous tree. You can buy them bare root. Uh, I'm just trying to think uh, where they're going to grow best for you. They're not a plant that you commonly see. No. Uh, I have seen a couple in our area that have grown quite well into like small trees and they're just beautiful. Yes. Mine's probably only about 600 tall, but it has got a flower on it even though it's in the pot. Okay, and you're up at Bolwara, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, and that's why you're seeing them grow really nicely up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, look, I would have them, you know, obviously out in the full sun. If you can get them out of the, uh, you know, the summer uh, heat, you know, or the summer sun after about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, if you can provide it a position to do that, that would be the mm-hmm. ideal spot for it. Okay, then. 
and how vigorous is the root system on that? Uh, look, any plant that's going to get up to uh, you know a decent size is going to have a fairly big root system on it. So again, okay. uh, you know they they can get quite you know tallish. Uh, mm-hmm. So just try and keep it away from any you know pipes that you know might be there. Uh, yeah, or, or you're you know too close to any retaining walls or something like that. So just try and okay. pick a spot that's out of the afternoon sun and you know going to be away from any pipes. Yeah. Okay, and fertilizer. Uh, yes, uh, cow manure is fantastic for Rose of Sharon. Terrific. And now, look, okay, the, and the other so great much. the other great thing is you can keep them pruned back as well once you get into winter. Great. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much Excellent. for your help. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. And we've got Rob from Newcastle. He's got a tip about snails being on vines. Oh, Rob, you might uh, save my uh, daughter some tears every morning. Yeah, okay. It's a pretty simple one too. Really, really? cheap. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got it's, for us? Um, called vinegar. Ah. What do you do with the vinegar? Mix it 50-50 in a spray bottle and um, just do it. You might have to do it every day for a week or two weeks even. I had a, I, I got a passion fruit vine at home and last year, the year before, it had... It was huge, and I had millions of snails, and I just did that every afternoon for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, and um, you can hear them drop it off. So, mate, were you uh, like a sharpshooter and just aiming for the snail? I mean, they're not a very quick-moving target, I'll give you that, but uh, or were you spraying the whole the whole plant? I try and sharpshoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're like a, a snail sniper there, mate. Snail sniper, yeah, lots of fun, you know, <laughs> You know, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> and look, it didn't affect the plant in, in, in any way? No, I, I tested it first before I did it, and, and um, no, it didn't have any effect on the passion fruit vine, but old mate Shaco might be different, I think. But Yeah, um, yeah, they're, they're pretty tough old plant as well. So, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. So 50-50 uh, vinegar and water, um, get your, uh, sight, your sniper sights out and go and get some snails. And um, I've got another question about passion fruit vines. I've got this uh, ring-tailed possum eating me passion fruit vine. Yeah. Last last winter, that was it was enormous, and it was they did a really good job of pruning it back to just its um, main um, branch. And um, they're, and they're at it again now. Mate, it sounds like you might have already uh, got together the necessary skills, uh, you know, with the snails. But a hundred percent vinegar, maybe that might get rid of them. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, let's give that a try because I forgot about the vinegar. But, uh, but I tried that. Um, what is that scat? Scat. That's, uh, yeah, there's scat. There's uh, there's another one called detur as well, which has been around for a long time. And you mix that up and, and you spray it all over. I, I think unfortunately possums are probably one of the hardest things to to get rid of. They you know they just know what they want and they they get what they want, uh, and they 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 don't seem to be deterred by too much, but. Uh, yeah, give that one. It's called it's called deter. You mix it up and you spray it on it. And again, it's one of those things where you have to be persistent and uh, see how you go with that. But look, I know I hear them, you know, clunking around my roof and uh, you know up and down the camellia tree, and you know they can do quite a lot of damage very quickly. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty thick at my places. There must be half a dozen of them or more, and they have a party every night on the roof. <laughs> Mate, don't go up there and join them. <laughs> no, no, I thought about it. Yeah, maybe the vinegar might, you know, that might deter them. Yeah, try the 100% vinegar and see if you can get them with that. Yeah, I might give that a go. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but the vinegar definitely works for snails. And okay. um, the stronger the better, really. I think I started using 50-50, but I, I can't remember. 
if I stuck to that or not. But, yeah, but, look, but probably the the, uh, the take home message is though to uh, you know if you're going to give that a try to actually test it on a part of the plant. It's you know like you're getting a cleaning product and you test it on a you know patch under the lounge or something like that, so you know that it's not going to wreck up the carpet. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. No okay, worries, Thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. Thank you. See you, buddy. Cheers. Could you use like a, I don't know, a scarecrow or something for possums or? Yeah, that look, uh, I don't know if that'll work. but Because they just walk, even if if I've ever been camping, they yeah. just come up. Yeah. And they don't care who's there. Yeah. Um, look, you could be ready to, you know, chomp into a hamburger or, you know, whatever you're going to eat or an apple or something. Yep. A possum probably come up on your shoulder and just rip it out of your, yep. out of your hand and eat it. They're uh, pretty brazen, aren't they? Mm. Feisty little things. They are, they are. But uh, as far as scaring birds and uh, possums away, I don't think this is going to work on possums, but the boat shop is a fantastic place to go to if you want some bird scarers because uh, I guess people who own boats don't want uh, birds landing on there and yep. know, pooping all over their, their poop deck. Yep. Is that how it gets its name? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I think so. so that's uh, a great place to go to, and they've got all sorts of wonderful bird scarers there. One of the best ones I ever had was just like this big yellow beach ball uh, with funny eyes all around it. It kept the birds away perfectly. Oh, right. Yeah, so that, that works a treat. They've got eagles, owls, all sorts of stuff yep. there. Won't get rid of possums, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, maybe the, the vinegar trick mightn't uh, you know, hurt the possum too much. Would it, maybe a real owl might get rid of a possum. Yeah, to be a pretty big, uh, big, big owl. owl. Yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, one of those eagles, like a bald eagle or something. Yep. If you, yeah, if you just get one of those them. from America, that'll definitely get rid of possums. There but, should be no issues yeah. getting one of them. You've got to love vinegar. It's a cure-all for everything, isn't it? It is. It's, yeah, it's a cleaning product. It's pretty much everything in the one world. One of the all-time great condiments. And oh, fantastic on fish and chips. Beautiful. It's a, almost a forgotten treat. I was actually going to say, what sort of vinegar would you use to put on? If you go with balsamic or something? Or... Yes, I'd definitely go the darker vinegars, mm. mate. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time, but you did mention something a little bit earlier about indoor plants. It's that sort of time of year where you start looking after plants on the indoors. Yes, we certainly do. And uh, look, one of the great uh, palms you can have inside are Kentia palms. They're actually native to Australia. Uh, they're actually native to uh, Lord Howe Island. Oh, right. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's their botanical name, botanical name, How Howia. Howia? Yeah, as in Lord Howe. Island. Ah. Yeah, so they're native there and uh, the seeds were gathered and they've been turned into a fantastic indoor plant. Uh, they're fa fairly slow growing, uh, but in low light conditions, they do really well. You wouldn't water them as much if they're in very low light conditions. They're also, of course, going to work uh, quite well out in the garden for you. Uh, they can get fairly tall. I think about 5 to 15 metres, but they are slow growing to get there. Uh, and But they are a very, very attractive palm. I guess if you could get it into a, uh, you know, a sheltered position outside, uh, it's going to do better out there for you. Another palm that uh, looks really, really good uh, indoors is the Parlour Palm, and it is actually on the top 50 of NASA's plants that clean the air for you. Top How did you find that out? Well, you know, Did NASA have like a gardening section on their website oh, or something? Or? Look, I, I, when I leave here, mate, I go home and I go into this fusty old library that I've got. I turn on the, the desk lamp and I just start doing research. Stop. Putting up a monocle or something? or Yes, I, I do that. I'll uh, light a pipe or something like that. And, <laughs> and I'll just research and research. But actually, I use the I use Google for that. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, but you like to imagine you're in like a dusty library. I do, with the, the glow of the computer screen back into my eyes. So, yes, yeah, so the uh, Parlour Palm is in the yeah the top uh, the top 10 of getting rid of uh, uh, 
uh, you know, bad air. So you can right. use them in uh, air-conditioned spots. Like, like I said before, I guess if you've got pet smells. Okay, uh, so you were actually, that wasn't a lie. No, look, I just don't make things up, you know. Just, Willy-nilly. You know, off my cuff or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, I guess if you've got cooking smells as well, uh, you know, having a couple of indoor plants is going to clear. It's not obviously going to clear them out yep. straight away, but it's just going to, you know, over a couple of days, just clear out the air for you. So that's parlour palm. It's only a very small growing palm. It'll actually only get about two metres tall if you stick it in the ground outside. So in a pot, it's ideal. It's also called Neanthabella palm. I don't know why it's called Neanthabella palm. It's a, it's a, a secret that has eluded me. Okay. So far, but I will try and find that out. Uh, and look again, low light conditions, uh, you know, water inside. It's a really fantastic little palm, and the benefit of cleaning up the air for you. Uh, just a quick mention: if people have got uh, been given. Uh, cyclamen for Mother's Day and they've got them yep. inside. Uh, they don't really like heating or air conditioning, but you can have them in there. But the thing to do to perk them back up is to uh, stick them back outside overnight and that will actually uh, just sort of make them sit back up again because they love the cool air. They're from Mediterranean climates uh, yep. and they actually grow outdoors in the Mediterranean in fairly rocky conditions. Uh, but they they really like that cool night air. So if you stick them outdoors with a cat is you know what uh, used, the old saying used yep. to be, but so I don't know you're allowed to stick your cat outside anymore i don't i don't have a cat so i, I don't i've no. never owned one no i try and keep mine inside it's the okay. right thing to do although i live in an urban area they're probably just getting by a fox in, in around carrington if i let them out at <laughs> night i'm sure they're over there uh but uh yeah so if you've got cyclamen and they're looking a little bit droopy uh you know, with the heating or with the air conditioning, stick them outdoors at night. Don't let them sit in a saucer of water. They don't like wet feet. And you'll uh, have your cyclamen go, go and go and go for you. But definitely that cool air, they love that. Okay, fair enough. That's all the indoor plants we've got? Yeah, look, I, I just thought I'd mention uh, if you've got an office or something, you want to have a nice plant on your desk, a spathophyllum is a fantastic plant to have. People call them uh, Madonna lilies. They have a white flower. Very, very hardy inside. And What's it, the plant you brought in today? Because you brought a plant for the office. Oh, yes, that's a spath, and I also brought a kentia palm in. That's probably why I'm talking about them. Oh. Ah, see, subliminal thoughts. <laughs> yes, I, I'm it's not... all a, coming together. I'm, I just don't come in bearing gifts. Oh, well, it's nice that you brought gifts anyway. Yes. Very good, Scott Sharp. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll catch you next week. That'll be perfect. Very good. It is Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Scott Sharp, back next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.